Hello, this is Jessica Jimeno, and you are listening to Flip Switch, the podcast and blog that helps teens and 20-somethings understand depression and bipolar disorder. Today you'll hear from Melody Moisey, a young author and attorney with Bipolar One. Sadly, she was misdiagnosed with unipolar depression for over a decade. How did she rebound from such a huge mistake? What is one thing you can do to prevent this from happening to you or someone you love? Let's listen to Melody tell her journey from misdiagnosis to mental health advocate. My name is Melody Moisey. I am 32 years old. Today I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a writer. I wrote a book about young Muslim Americans that was published in 2007. I am currently writing a book about bipolar disorder. I'm also a blogger and a columnist for Bipolar Disorder Magazine and a blogger for Ms. Magazine and the Huffington Post. What is your diagnosis? Bipolar disorder type 1. I was diagnosed with bipolar type 1 when I was 29 years old. What is your earliest memory of depression? From high school. My sophomore year in high school, I spent most of that year having a, just a really hard time, a harder time than most kids my age. I was doing well in school, but I, my teachers were noticing. I remember having written an essay for one of my in-class essays for English class that had my English teacher call my parents, which I only found out years later uh, into the school to ask if I was considering suicide, which I was. But of course, my parents were like, no, she's not. And I didn't tell anybody about it. Thank God, after about a year, I got through it. But I was too embarrassed. And I didn't tell anybody about it. And nobody I knew ever went to therapy. So I didn't think there was a solution to it. What is your earliest memory of mania? Sophomore year of college for me, which would have been about 1998. And that was the first time that I saw a hallucination a visual hallucination. I had a lot of trouble eating. And this was very much tied up for me in a physical illness. And I think that's why it was missed so readily because I had a pancreatic tumor that made it very difficult for me to eat because every time I ate, I was in pain. And if I ate too much, I could cause my pancreas to fail and then my entire body to go into organ failure. So I was warned not to eat too much. So I started eating very little and then was diagnosed with clinical anorexia. And I couldn't stop running for a long period of time. Yeah, all of that was my first experience with mania, but I didn't know what to call it. And my treatment for it turned out to be running. So the running was to let go of all this energy, not to lose weight. Yeah, exactly. All of it came down to the mania. The mania was at the core, but what was recognized was the tumor on my pancreas because we could do a CAT scan where you could see that. What was recognized was the anorexia was because someone could put their hand around my wrist, and, but there was no test for the mania other than I couldn't sit still. Oh, that must be part of the anorexia, but it wasn't part of the anorexia. The not being able to sit still was part of mania. And I didn't tell anybody about the hallucinations because I was embarrassed about them. The first time I sought help for depression was my sophomore year in college. I was at Wesleyan University in uh, Middletown, Connecticut, and I went to see one of the counselors and, again, went to see her on the 
pretense of dealing with anorexia. It had become a problem, obviously, but I wish that they had dug a little deeper and realized that my main problem wasn't anorexia, and, and I was dealing with depression as well, but rather ended up being bipolar. Most of the times that I did end up going to seek therapy was when I was depressed. So I would go and talk about how bad I was feeling. No one would say, were there ever any periods of time where you were very euphoric? Were there ever any periods where you were speaking a lot faster than you are now? I think a lot of them also saw me as a very high-functioning kind of person and wouldn't want to mistake my personality that was an outgoing, exuberant personality and put a label of bipolar on it. Perhaps they didn't want to further investigate symptoms that might actually lead to a diagnosis that would put a lot of stigma on me. And I can understand that, but at the same time, I, I wish they would have, because it could have saved me a lot of grief. How old were you when you first saw a therapist for depression? The sophomore year of college. 1920. 1920, yeah. And so it would be almost a decade yeah. of being treated as though you had... Unipolar depression. Not bipolar disorder. Exactly. It eventually did take medication for unipolar depression, which consistently was not very helpful. It didn't throw me into a mania immediately, but it just didn't help. My dad was the first person to ever suggest that I had bipolar disorder. And when he did, I told him that he had bipolar disorder, which he doesn't. I just said it back at him, sort of snapping back. What are the factors that led to you being inaccurately diagnosed with unipolar depression? Uh, I think the biggest factor that led to me being inaccurately diagnosed with unipolar depression was the fact that I never went to see a doctor when I wasn't depressed, particularly not when I was more manic. I just thought that's what normal was like. Also, when I did go when I was depressed, I had this warped thinking that I had always been depressed. So they would ask me, how long have you felt like this? And I'd say, I've been like this forever. It never goes away. <laughs> when the truth was, you know, I mean, I hadn't been like that forever. It just felt like forever, you know. There's something about depression that sort of messes with your sense of time. So if someone's listening and they're struggling, Maybe one thing that person could do would be to chart how they're feeling. Like on a scale of 1 to 10, just write down every day. You, you probably don't have a lot of energy when you're depressed, but just say, 1 out of 10, how am I feeling today? Then you could look back, bring that chart with you, and you see the doctor. Gee, I feel like I've been in a hole for all my life. But it turns out I've been feeling like I'm in a hole for the past month. And then for a month before that, I was feeling like an 8 out of 10. Yeah, mood charts are hugely helpful. I actually, I keep a mood chart on my iPhone. It's called My Mood. Um, and there's a lot of different apps that you can follow. And I can uh, log what my how many hours of sleep I've had. I can log my mood. I can log my menstrual cycle. Everything. I can log, I can log exercise. I don't do everything, but it helps to be able to see your mood. What was the catalyst for a proper diagnosis? psychosis. So <laughs> once you start seeing people who aren't there and hearing things that no one's saying, it's pretty easy. So I went to a crisis center, the police picked me up and my husband called my parents who were both doctors and my best friend who's a psychiatrist and 
my sister, who's also a doctor, and they all said, looks like she's manic, sounds like she's psychotic, take her to the hospital, I wouldn't go. So he called the police, and they came, and they escorted me to the hospital, and they said she has bipolar disorder. What do you have now in your life that you wouldn't have if you were never properly diagnosed? The opportunity to be able to speak out against the stigma that I, I've written on suicide from a personal perspective. And I've gotten emails from people who said that they read this article that I wrote for CNN on Suicide Prevention Awareness Day. They told me that they were considering taking their lives on that day, and they didn't because they ran into that article. To conclude, Melody's story gives us hope. The number one thing you can do if you're seeing a doctor and are not sure of what's going on is to keep a mood chart. Just typing in mood charts on Google will lead you to websites with a variety of charts, some using numbers and others colors to measure moods. The Flip Switch page for this podcast also features a link to mood charts. You can always hear other Flip Switch podcasts and read my blogs on the Flip Switch page at www.thebalancedmind.org forward slash flip switch forward slash podcast. Leave a comment. Be heard. You can also follow Flip Switch on Twitter. My handle is at Flip Switch Teens. Until we meet again, this is Jessica Jimeno signing off and saying thank you for listening to Flip Switch.